can I talk about it today for a little bit? Um, and, it, and it's one of these things that Without the Holy Spirit, I have no idea. Wow, did that just something just happen? <laughs> We're talking about the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, I can hear myself. Okay, so okay, so we got. Thank you, awesome. Um, but but that that's that's what I'm I'm praying today is that as we look at this passage, that we'll just say, Hey, God, we do just, just as we invite you to be here today and, and 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 be with us as we worship and guide and empower us. That today, as we talk about this area of motivations, that that we'll actually, you know, say, Okay, God. I, 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 I want to not only do what's right, I want to do it for the right reasons. I, I, I want to honor you and I want to experience you and I want to live in relationship with you um, and help me. So, 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 I did, so I'm, I'm asking you to just to be ready to ask God to do that. Um, and, um, and so we'll talk about that today. So it's, it's, it's this concept of motivations. I made up the silliest main point. I usually have these main points. They're pretty succinct, hopefully memorable. I almost never do alliteration. Today I just had some fun. Okay, so the main point is making it through the minefield of messy motives. <laughs> this is completely unlike anything I ever do. So, but... So I, I should have brought some M&Ms to pass them out to everybody today. I was not thinking. That was very bad of me. Uh, especially on this ho- holiday weekend, I should have given everybody a bag of M&Ms under their... D- next week, I can make a... Yeah, that's right, we can, we can make up for it next time. Um, <clears throat> but, but the reality is, we, not only do we struggle with motives, not only do we struggle with how we approach things, but we encounter people with messy motives all the time too. And when we find someone in a, who has bad motivations or something... What's our, our initial tendency is just like to jump right in and, and, and respond in kind. And, and, and so, so, so motives are tricky not only for us, but they're tricky when we encounter people who have motives that we, you know, don't appear to be right and appear to be whatever else. And so, so motives are a tricky thing both for us to handle and to handle those around us. And so in this passage, we're going to see, we're going to see Paul, he, he's going to talk about how sort of contrasting good motives, bad motives, and then we're going to see how he responds to a situation where people are, are like causing trouble for him with bad motives. And so we're going to learn, one, we're going to be challenged, okay, how can I do an assessment of myself? Where, where can I see in my life where I might be like unconsciously incompetent when it comes to motives? Um, and how can I change that? And also, how can I interact with folks who have some motives that are like driving me crazy? that are just really frustrating to me or that I have a hard time responding to. And so that's, that's where we're going today. Um, so I hope that it's, I hope that's helpful. I, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more later on, but I, for the last month, I've sort of been on a journey on this topic. I didn't think about it with this passage because I wasn't planning my sermon a month in advance. Um, but my executive coach gave me a book he made me read that has been slaying me for the last month um, relating to this topic. And so, so it's, it's a very personal thing for me that I, I've been completely humbled in. Um, the last month and realized how unconsciously incompetent I am. Um, and so I look forward just to sharing with you some of that and just saying, hey, you know, maybe you can join me being unconsciously incompetent. Misery loves company, you know. <laughs> just hop right alongside you. Um, so that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and we're in Philippians. We're still in chapter 1. Um, and so I'm just going to pray again real quick before we go in. Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for um, that you have provided it as a written record of, um, of some personal letters from Paul here the church uh, at Philippi. 
But it's, it's also the inspired word of God that not only communicated what Paul wanted to communicate to that church, but also has truth for us today. And thank you that you, by your spirit, take this word and apply it to us. That you, by your spirit, um, convict and change and challenge and empower and envision and give us a hope. And we thank you for that. And so we ask that you do that even today. That as we look at your word, that you'd speak to us. That you would help us to continue on this journey of becoming more like you, of experiencing you more, of enjoying you more, of walking with you more, and seeing you transform us step by step. And we ask that today we take another step. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, we're in Philippians 1. If you don't, it's always on the screen, or you can pull out a phone or whatever else. Um, <clears throat> the, the context of this passage, um, I'll read it first, then I'll come back and do, and do the... No, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the context first, and then I'll read it. Okay, last week the main point was, I was not here, I did not get to hear it. I asked Jacob, and I want to get the wording right, but it's... If the, God, what, the main point from last week... Okay, the gospel spreads become fixated on Christ. Last week, it was, it was the passage where Paul's in prison in Rome. Remember, he's in Rome. He's right at the church at Philippi who's partnered with him all along. And they know, he's in, they know he's in prison because they actually sent Epaphroditus to go help him. And, and, and Epaphroditus is in Rome still. He's about to be sent back. And so, so they, they're wanting to hear, how are things going, Paul? You know, we know you're in prison. And Paul's like, man, I want you to know what, what's actually happened to me going to prison, you being I mean, Prison in Jerusalem, taken to Caesarea, being there for two years, and being carted all the way off to Rome, and me sitting here in a prison. What has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. It's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. So, so he sort of explained to them, man, what it all has happened has actually God's doing something. He, and, he goes, and he goes in, and then people have been, they, they are like, become more confident in their faith and they dare to dare all the more to proclaim the word of God without fear. So somehow Paul being in prison in Rome the, the gospel is actually starting to be shared, shared and people 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 in their congregation people are talking and talking about the gospel and, and it's because what Paul did he's in prison and he didn't make his prison thing all about him. What did he say? He says it's become known throughout the whole palace garden everyone else that I'm, in, that I'm, that I'm I just don't deserve to be here. That my life is so hard. He says, I'm in chains for Christ. He made much about Christ. So, every, so when everyone knows about Paul, they know it's about Christ. So everything he's doing is focusing people to Christ. And now more and more people are talking about Christ. More and more people, more and more this early you know, church, these house churches are talking to more and more people about Christ. Okay, and so then Paul continues in this passage. He says, well, yeah, more and more people are talking about Christ and telling people about Christ. Mm. But there's some motivation issues going on too. Okay, and, and that's sort of what happens in this passage. So, so, evidence, so, so I'm going to read the Rex passage and notice what's all going on with the motivations here. No, see how motivations come, come into play. So here we are in verse 15 and following. 
He says it's true that, so he's saying that people are preaching Christ, they're more bold, they don't have scared, they're not scared, da, 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 Christ is being made much of, the gospel's advancing. And he sort of says, and it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Just so you know, the English translations of this had four S's in a row. You ready? Did you catch that? Selfish ambition, sincerely. Or maybe not four. Selfish ambition, sincerely, supposing they can cheer up trouble for me. So I, I feel good with my main point now. I feel even better. Okay. <clears throat> they preach Christ with selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I will rejoice. And so you can see in this passage, Paul has the unquestioned focus, the same thing from last week. It's about Christ. I'm going to make it about Christ. It's only about Christ. But you can see how these motivations, he says, you know, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. What? So, 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 so this motivation thing, this mind, so, so people are doing good things with some whacked out motives. I mean, how can somebody talk about Christ with bad motives? <clears throat> when churches never compete, do they? We don't compare our church with another church, do we? We don't compare our pastor with another pastor, do we? We don't compare ourselves with other people, do we? We, 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 don't, we don't compare our behaviors with other people, do we? Whether we've had a quiet time or how we think people look at us. Or, we never do that, do we? Never. Well, it's been going on for a while. And so what he's saying here, he's saying, look... Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Others do so out of goodwill. So he sort of sets up this contrast. He says, hey, some people are talking about Christ. And it's awesome. Lots of people are talking about Christ. It's become a topic and Paul is focused. He's saying, hey, let's get this to Christ. Get this to Christ. And some people are telling more and more people about Christ. So I'm going to clarify a couple things here. We studied the book of Galatians a while back. I don't know, it was a year or so ago. If you remember in Galatians, Paul slams the Galatians church because they were actually changing the gospel. They were adding works to the gospel. And so he, he says, you know, what happened? How could you so quickly fall away? And he just, he just like hammers them because they're changing the gospel. That's not what Paul's doing here. These people aren't changing the gospel. If they were, Paul would slam them. Because in Paul's mind, the gospel plus anything is no longer the gospel. If it's not salvation through faith, if, if we don't experience the forgiveness of God by faith alone, then we earn our salvation. And so the gospel is this incredible message that God offers us forgiveness, relationship, and life by faith. And it comes through Christ. Okay, so, so that, that's, that's Christ being preached. So in Philippians, they're not preaching a different gospel. If they were, Paul would be pretty straightforward because Paul is pretty passionate about making sure the gospel is clear. But, so they're, they're telling people about Christ, but they're doing it with some wrong motives. And so so, so the, the motives he gives are, he says, so I'm, I, we'll come back to the goodwill and the, and the love. We'll do the negative things first. So th this is sort of the assessment. He says they preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. 
And then he, and he comes down, he says in verse 17, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. So evidently folks are, you know, it's, they're, they're telling more and more people about Christ, but they're doing it comparing themselves with others. You know, how much impact can I have? How, how much, potentially, how much of a name can I make for myself? How many people are, are, are following me? How many people are this? And, 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 and there were all sorts of rivalries in the early church. If you remember in, in Corinth, he, he said, you know, some say I follow Paul, some say I follow Cephas, some say I follow Apollos. You know, we're all that way. We all like to follow people. And a lot of people like to be followed. And so we do a lot of work drawing people to ourselves or trying to make ourselves appear good or try to find someone that we latch on to. That's a natural human condition. And evidently that was happening in the early church in Rome. And so you have people that are sharing out of envy and rivalry. They're trying to be better. Trying to have maybe more impact, maybe more influence. And trying to stick it to Paul. Paul's in prison. Yeah, he can't. Yeah. I, I'm the big man. I'm the big man. I, I'm the influence. Ah, he's in chains. He, 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 you know, if he'd done things right, he wouldn't be there. If he wouldn't have been so foolish, he wouldn't be locked up there. This is how you're really supposed to do ministry. This is how you're really supposed to tell people about Christ. This is, this is what it's supposed to be like. Isn't that interesting? You can be sharing the gospel with funky motives. Honestly, every Sunday, almost without fail, I have to do a motive check before I communicate and teach. You know, am I really worried about what you think about me more than I am what you think about God's Word? Am I worried more how I'm going to appear to you? How I'm going to come off? How polished I might be? Than, than I am, is the word of God resonating in your heart and mine? Am I more worried about what I'm going to say than what God even has to speak to me? I wrestle with motives all the time. And I have to confess, I'm like, God, if I need to look like an idiot, if that will accomplish what you want to accomplish, I'm your idiot. Motives are hard. Because we are selfish. We do compare. So it's not just sharing the gospel. It, it's everything we do. Right? All sorts of stuff we do, day in and day out. We can do the right things for the wrong reasons. <laughs> and we can feel so stinking justified. Well, I did the right thing. I didn't yell. I didn't raise my voice. I didn't, you know... I, I took out the trash. I washed the dishes. I, you know, whatever. I called you. 
aren't motives tricky? The book I'm reading is called um, <laughs> The Anatomy of Peace. It's by this group called the Arbinger Institute. And they sort of classify folks as either being, they classify you as being in this box. You know, and that you, that you, you sort of shift your motives and you hop in this box and your heart either goes to a heart of war or a heart of peace. A heart of war is this when, you're, when you have your own motives and you're focused on yourself and, and you're seeing everything as, as how it impacts you. Where a heart of peace, you sort of walk into situations and you're able to see people as people. And, and it's really interesting because if you talk about selfish ambition, envy, rivalry, all those things we see other people as objects. They're either in our way they're frustrating a goal we have. Or they're vehicles to accomplish, to get something that we want. Or they might just even be irrelevant. I don't even need to worry about them. But if we, but if we see people as actually people that have valid concerns and valid, you know, life, then we can actually not be focused on ourselves. We can be focused on them and we can serve them. We can do what God has us to do in that situation. I, ridiculous example. Week and a half ago. You ready? Going to a Bible study. The week before I was late because I had a meeting that ran late and I got there late and so this week I'm going to be early. I leave 20 minutes early to get to a Bible study five minutes away. That's a pretty good chance I'm going to make it, right? 20 minus 5 is... 15. I should be there with lots of time to spare. So I, I, it's a little late at night. I'm running a little low on energy, so I swing through McDonald's to get a $1 any size drink. Dr. Pepper, no ice. I want all the caffeine. It's cold anyway. Why water it down? And so I go grab one of those, and you know, so, so I'm on the way. So I pull into McDonald's, and there's three cars. I can see you know, it has the double lanes. So there's one car in each of the double lanes. Like, this is no problem. This will not take 15 minutes. Perfect. So I pull in, and then the first car on the outside actually goes on ahead. I'm like, sweet, I'm next. So I pull up, you know, and this person does their order, Bob, and they pull up, and then I do my little Dr. Pepper, no ice, pull up, and the world stops. The earth is no longer rotating around the sun. You know, I mean, just... Everything freezes, it feels like. No movement in the line. And all of a sudden, my heart's just like going. Then I look in the second window where they take, you pay in the first window and you pick up your food in the second window. The first window, the pay window is closed. It's all happening in the first window. Okay, so now McDonald's is an object to me. And all the people in there are an object to me. Why don't these idiots have the first pay window open? I'm in a hurry. I'm trying to get someplace. You know, then the guy two, two up, I see an arm come out of the building with a um, Sunday, two Sundays. They go into the car, they come back out of the car. You know, I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, someone's incompetent somewhere. 
either in the car who ordering or in the store who's giving them stuff. You know, then, it, then one comes back out. Like, oh! Ah! I mean, don't you know if you have a difficult order, you send the vehicle up, I pull up and get my daughter, Dr. Pepper. I mean, we all know that, right? Amen. Preach it, brother. Park it there. But no. We're going to wait for this whole order to get fixed and refixed and slowly come out. And it finally comes out. I get up to the window. The guy says to me, I see my drink right there. It's right there. He must have seen my eyes just going, you know, he must have known I was in a hurry. Um, he's like, now, have your drink. But before I can give you your drink, I mean, he's saying this. I have your drink. Before I give you your drink, you actually need to pay me first. I mean, I have literally, I'm sitting here in the car with my credit card, sticking out the window, looking at him for my drink. And he's like, before I can give you your drink, you need to pay for it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. So, so he takes the car. He's, now, I'm going to have to go over here to charge it. So he walks all the way across the store, all the way to the farthest, farthest register, reaches over the counter, and sticks it in the machine. And I'm just like going, oh my gosh. You know, and then, 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 then he comes back and he has my receipt and the credit card, the drink and the straw. And so he's got him, he's like, he's looking at both his hands going, what do I do? And so he balances the straw on top of the cup and he starts to try to reach it and the straw starts to fall. And he stops. You know, I'm just dying. I am dying here. You know, the clock is just going, you know, and I'm like, Whoa! and so then he, he sets down my receipt and, 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 and credit card and hands out with two hands the straw and the drink. And then I'm like, like I'm supposed to go. And I'm like, you know, oh, here's your receipt and credit card and gives it to me. Okay. Now, how that, that was my experience. Now, about halfway through this process, I realized I am completely out of control inside. I became consciously incompetent before I got up to the window, thankfully. I became consciously incompetent, okay? I was not rude, so I can't quite say I was consciously competent. Maybe. I was close. I mean, he, he probably didn't see me as the warmest customer he'd had all night. Um, I did say thank you and was polite. <clears throat> but I... My, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I was just like, my brain was somewhere else. My motivations, my thoughts, my intentions, I was just like, this is the most ridiculous thing I have heard of. You know. And, I, and I, finally I got through there, I, go, I just go, you know what? Am I this weak? Is it so easy to throw me off kilter? Am I this much of a baby that on the way to my Bible study, buying a Coke, 
I can be thrown into an internal tizzy. I was humiliated at myself. But I was thankful that God sort of told me. It's funny, I, 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 I see this play out in my relationship with Teresa, that I, you know, I, <clears throat> I'm not one who raises his voice, I'm not one who yells, you know, but, but if I raise my voice this much, it's the equivalent of raising it. If I talk faster, it's a, and, and even if I do the right thing, even if I don't yell or don't this, my mind's going, <laughs> my mouth's not going, <laughs> but my mind's going, <laughs> And I'm justifying, I'm seeing her different, I'm seeing other people different, I'm acting, everything's going on. It's all the motivation stuff. We can do all the right things with the wrong reasons. And the keys can be envy, rivalry, selfish ambition, just being concerned about ourselves. What circumstances do we go in when we, when we get blinded, when we can't, even, we, we can't even figure out what's going on, we can't even see the people around us because we're only thinking about us. If that's happening... We probably got some wrong motivations. We're probably not acting out of love and goodwill. That's the contrast here: envy, rivalry, selfish ambition. Self, you know, um, what was the, what was the next S? Not sincerely, and then trying to stir up trouble. He says the opposite of that is love and goodwill. If I'd have had love and goodwill for the guy behind the counter, it'd have been a different experience. I might could have seen. I mean, he probably wasn't having the greatest evening. You know, but I wasn't able to because I was just so concerned about me. So that's it. So those are the options. Envy, rivalry, bad thing, goodwill, love, good response. But what I love is Paul's response. I mean, Paul could have bid, he could have just dove into this. He could have pointed out by name who they were. He could have embarrassed them. He doesn't actually even identify who these folks are. What he says is, what does it matter? That they got bad motives. I, there's something I can be thankful for. That thing I can be thankful for is that Christ is preached. That goes back to the message from last week that the center and the focus of everything, we make much of Christ, is what we're supposed to do. But on, on, on a meta narrative scale, on the other side, you know, one of the ways to hop out of this motivational thing, one of the ways to hop out and sort of break the cycle is to say, what am I thankful for? I can get a Coke on the way to Bible study. I love the guys I'm going to Bible study with, and they'll just tease me if I'm late. It's not that bad. Just breaking that cycle, saying, okay, <clears throat> what can I actually be thankful for? Can help us sort of slip out of this, out of this internal self-focus, bad motive, rivalry, envy, self-deception, you know, selfishness, not sincerity. So I, 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 that, that, that's why I wanted, it's sort of a fun, funky passage because the focus of it is the gospel's being preached. That's what happens before making much about Christ. Next week with Andy, the passage, it's, it's about making much of Christ to live. It's Christ to die, is gain. It's all about Christ. And this little one, we get this little example of motives and how motives can be funky, even with the gospel. So I just wanted to set that out there for us today. And just to say, hey God, where in my life what circumstances or situations in my life 
do I just go off with motives? Where, where do I go off where I, I just get focused about myself and I sort of just lose sight of the other people around me, that they're actually people? And the people that you've called me to be in contact with, people that you've called me to influence for Christ. Help me, God, to take a step this week. Whether it's my own motivations or when someone else is doing something that their motivations are obviously bad, not to get sucked in and respond in kind, but to go, okay, God, what can I be thankful for now? How can I look at this through the eyes of Christ? How can I do this to, per to further what you'd have for me to do? That's the motives talk. Making our way through the minefield of messy motives. Eminem's help too. Um, but that's it. Oh, hey, let's pray.